0: everybody it's Sean. The reason I'm recording this is because I felt compelled to put this out there in front of the episode you are about to listen to. It's not a warning by any means. I just felt that I had something to say and uh, you know what can I say I've got the uh, power to hit the record button and publish this as part of the episode. Back in April of 2016, Brett and I did episode 84 entitled Inclusion in RPG Hobby. And at the time, we felt compelled to – there was an incident that I won't go into that was making its ways around um, online social media circles, articles, blogs – And rather than address that particular situation specifically, we wanted to just highlight the fact that we need to be better at including other people and welcoming them into tabletop role-playing games. We didn't want to isolate anybody. And some of you might have listened to that episode, and some of you may not have. Um, Certainly your choice. Um, But I would encourage you to do so. And many of our audience... um, Well, I like to think that every member of our audience that chooses to listen to us has some common views that we may share. Um, And we hope that those views that we share are obviously positive. And at that time, in that episode, it may not even have been targeted towards you. It was more of a... Well, let me back up. There are many of us that aren't aware of some of the negative things that occur within the tabletop RPG hobby. You may not be online in certain social groups or social networking platforms. But that doesn't mean that some of the negatives that occur in the hobby aren't happening. And with episode 84, I think our objective was to simply say, hey, it's something to be aware of. And if you are aware of it, um, that we can be better. Um, is all. Better people, welcoming people, and if you haven't witnessed this, and you're obviously not a bad person, you could help us make it a better hobby. You know, it's getting better. If you look back on the origins of the hobby, um, it was a Pretty isolated. It was a pretty isolated hobby. Um, you know, it was it was made by uh, a lot of designers, developers uh, uh, of white, male, heterosexual, uh, middle-aged guys. It, it just was at the time. That was the majority. I mean, D&D had female and male genders in first edition AD&D, and female gender had different ability caps. We don't want to rehash the past, but it's not something we want to sweep aside and disregard. Um, there's, something to be me- there's something to be learned from looking back in history. At least I personally think so. Um, And so we've moved forward um, as a society. And I don't want to get too deep. It sounds like I'm getting really deep. But we've moved forward in society. Things have changed. Policy, laws, civil rights. um, Some are very obvious. At least I hope they are to you. But there was still a lot of work to do. And as it related to the RPG hobby, we are getting better. At least I believe that we are. Do we have more work to do? Yes, of course we do. Some of us may not understand that or even see that or be aware of it. But it's true. We do. And with your help, understanding and exposure... Uh, To some of what we are about to tell you in this episode, we can together make this a better hobby. And I think that's what I felt compelled to talk about because there was a discussion between Brett and I, and it is, and I should even say for the record, it is obviously not lost on the fact that we are not a diverse podcast, Neither Brett nor I are female or transgender or um, gay um, or obviously lesbians. Um, We are not people of color. Um, We are your uh, middle-aged, hetero, white, privileged guys. Um, And... Some, I've even thought, well, I've learned about implicit bias and, you know, we've grown up in our social circles with the parents that we've had or, or the child rearing that we had, the friends that we've had, the communities we've grown up with, all of which somewhat forms us. And as we grow as people, we learn to have different experiences and exposure to different things. And hopefully with those experiences, we as individuals can grow. And by growing, we open our eyes to different things, uh, different ways of doing things, um, looking at different people's um, or from different perspectives or being able to understand different perspectives that, are just, that aren't just our own. So when we wanted to record this episode, I was a little, um, I wasn't sure of what direction we were going to go. But I know that Brett and I wanted to bring somebody on the show that didn't have the same background as he and I. We didn't want to have another middle-aged, you know, hetero um, male white guy uh, to come on the show and talk about a particular topic. Of course we will. Um, I think it's inevitable. We know a lot of middle-aged <laughs> hetero white guys. Um, And hopefully we will get better at bringing on other types of individuals on the show. Um, And that's something that I think we can be better at. So we inv- we invited Paige Lightman to be on the show to offer a different perspective. And with that perspective, I didn't know if it was, "Hey Paige, can you come on and talk about things you might encounter as a female in the hobby, in the positions you've had as a moderator of a large Facebook RPG group?" or your experiences running or playing in events at tabletop RPG conventions. And maybe open our eyes to some of the things that actually take place. Because I think that we hear about some of those things and then we think, well, that couldn't possibly happen or somebody couldn't have possibly said that. I mean, how ridiculous. And for you, sharing some of, Of what I go back to is that that commonality that we share uh, those positive things they seem absurd and hopefully they do sound absurd um, because I like to think that you share the same views that we do when it comes to treating people equally but it didn't really go that way um, What we did decide on was the format that you're about to listen to. I don't think it's a bad format. It obviously isn't a format or the dialogue wasn't something where I felt was not important. That I felt that should not be heard and listened to and discussed because what page and Brett and I talk about in this episode is definitely important. Um, And we all need to be aware of what we'll be talking about in this episode. Now, we may have people, and as you're listening to this, you may not understand why we've put this episode out or that it's more political than you care to enjoy. Now, keep in mind we really don't talk we don't talk about anything political in this episode. But what people often do is they often confuse politics with social and society issues. And yes, some do coalesce uh, into the other. But that is not what we're trying to get at. It's it's not a political debate in what we're about to talk about. And I'll tell you in short so that you can really um, decide on whether you want to listen to the rest of this or not, is we and Paige was nice enough to come up with very um, distinct ways very specific ways to help the hobby bring other people into it through the use of diversity and inclusion. Now, if that is something that bothers you, I'm not sure what to tell you. Maybe just listen and you will find something that you weren't really aware of at one particular point. Maybe it's something you didn't consider. If This is an opportunity that if you listen to it, it may be something that opens your eyes a bit. Or you may be somebody that would totally get this and understand it completely um, and take action with it. Because you may be a person that runs a convention or has a game at a game store or you're an owner of a game store or you know an owner of a game store. And some of these things will certainly help attract other types of people than two hetero, middle-aged white guys. And you may just find a new friend that has a different perspective because they grew up in a different environment, different type of family, whatever that is. But that doesn't mean that they're a threat to our hobby. It doesn't mean that we have to treat them strangely. Um, We can treat them like the rest of our tribe with open arms Wanting to share our passion for this great hobby of ours. Why wouldn't we want to do that? So I apologize if this seems a little trite. um, But I just, I don't know if we nailed what I was hoping to get out of the show. And frankly, we could make it another topic down the road where we do have people of color uh, women uh, LGBTQ, that can help us understand that we Brett and I haven't had the same experiences they have uh, in society and how has that impacted their ability to get into tabletop role playing games because Only through that knowledge and perspective can we say, oh, that was really dumb. I was at a gaming convention and a woman was sitting next to me and I leaned over to her and said, oh, are you here with your gamer boyfriend? Did we have a malicious intent with that statement? No. Does it sound bad and is it bad? Yes, but if only if you actually know you said it and we're aware of it. I have uh, I've made a joke in the show where I've said, you know, I'm going to go around and when people assume I'm a gamer, I'm going to say, no, I'm here with my gamer girlfriend or my gamer wife. Um, because those are the things that are things we don't really consciously think about, but they just come out. Because we're not exposed to some of this stuff. So with these different perspectives, we can become better. We don't look across the table as a me, middle-aged, white, hetero, white guy, and ask a stupid question. That really puts somebody in a strange place. I mean, can you imagine fielding that question? I mean, some people take it very well and in stride that they probably want to tap you on the head and say, Oh, you're so dumb. (laughs) And then some get really offended. So hopefully you will enjoy the rest of this episode. It is the interview uh, with Paige Lightman, which will follow right after I get off this mic. There is no random encounter. There's no die roll because it did go quite, uh, quite lengthy, but that doesn't mean that it's not valuable. And we will, of course, thank Paige Lightman, but I will do it here now. Thank you to Paige. Thank you to individuals that have not had good experiences with some of us middle-aged, hetero, white guys. Um, But you decided to say, oh, you're so dumb and still stay in the hobby uh, to do good and to enjoy the passion and love we have for tabletop role-playing games. And now on to the show. All right, we are joined by the co-host of D&D Roundtable Podcast. She's written adventures for Adventurers League for community content to include uh, Dragon Con, which you might have heard of. She's even gotten noticed by Bethesda. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's written for Gnome Stew and Real Women of Gaming, and she moderates D&D Fifth Facebook group that has over 130,000 members on Facebook. Let us welcome Paige Lightman.
2: Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Paige. Hey.
0: How the heck are you?
2: I'm doing great.
1: Very
0: good. So we've asked Paige to be on the show to help two hetero middle-aged white guys Yeah. play RPGs. (laughs) To give us a different perspective and some of the things that we, as a community, can do better around inclusivity.
1: Absolutely. Sean and I, we, some of our listeners, as as you know, and we don't read everything, uh, every letter we get or every email and so on. It's not like we're plagued with, you know, big Santa Claus like level of uh, letters come filing in. But people ask us periodically, hey, it would be great if you could get... A different perspective would be great hey let's get some women on the show talk about different things and what we wanted to do is we want to start including more stuff in our show and how do we make this more uh, sean and i uh be more inclusive ourselves and in our perspectives and stuff because we have our own limited views and we thought you know that's uh that's a really good topic for the first thing to go at. and uh it just happens to be that our buddy alex cammer knows Paige. and uh connected. alex is a great guy yeah we love alex <laughs> one of our favorite people so, we wanted to get Paige on the show and talk about, um, we were just kind of hashing a little of this out beforehand because it's kind of a nebulous piece. So We want to take it, try to hit four main topics here. You know, if I'm running a con, what can I do better? You know, I personally need that intel. I'm running a, a gaming convention of 1,000 to 1,200 people. I want to know about that. Um if you're in charge at a game store, you know you're you're in a uh, not as large as a con perhaps, but you've got AL at your at your store. You've got groups, you've got gaming going on. You've got people coming and doing this stuff, be it Magic Gathering or what have you. Then you got your home group as GM and then as a player. You know, that that perspective. So, Paige, what do you think? You on board?
2: I'm on board. Sweet. And that's that's kind of a good way to look at it because uh, as a community as a society uh the game role-playing tabletop role-playing game world operates at different scales you have kind of the the huge scale uh like the publisher scale uh which is which is one way to look at it then you've got like conventions which are kind of big and game stores kind of smaller than home games then what are you as a person so it's there are there are interesting things and different things kind of going on at each of those levels, uh, and and you know, uh, women, people of color, the LGBT community have uh, have things to add and things to offer at all of those levels.
1: Absolutely, um, absolutely, because yeah. I because I, mean, I just from running my small little con uh, evercon just in case you don't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> just from running my little convention. Um, it, there's a lot of thing you start setting things up and I look to Alex camera what he's done with Game Home I'm like how can I do this right slash make sure it's fun for me, fun for my attendees and one of the things that Alex talked to me about was I think some of the things we'll probably go over today is, you know, how do you make sure that you don't have what I would almost call like a roadblock or barrier to entry, something that stops someone simply by reading your website or looking at what you're promoting that says, oh, I would not be good and comfortable there. And then when they arrive, how do, how do you make sure that it is a welcoming, inviting place where people are like, Oh, I can be me here and not have to, you know, worry about being accosted, bothered all of the horrible things that, we, that Sean, I've talked about on the show and many people have also handled. So <sighs> Paige, how do you want to attack that one? Should we start with a con and see where we go? Yeah, let's,
2: let's start with cons. So, um, and, and let me put this as a note beforehand. Mm-hmm. I, I am one woman i am i am one single woman i am white and i am married to a man so any problem i have is gonna be much smaller than a problem that a black woman would have or that a person in a wheelchair might have or that um, a member of the lgbt community who's open about it might have so looking at it from an intersectional um, viewpoint will show you kind of the the depth of how deep some of these problems go. And I strongly recommend that uh, in the future, you guys get a chance to talk to someone who is a member of the LGBT community or is a person of color or uh, who is uh, mobility limited. And I can hook you up with some of those people uh, afterwards.
1: Oh, that would be great, actually. Yes. That'd be great.
2: Yes. I have, a, I have some contacts who would love to talk to you.
1: Oh, cool! Very nice. Thank you.
2: So, so from a convention standpoint, we talked about two ways to look at it: barriers, what keeps people out, and by mm. people, I'm talking of non-majority players, so non-white males, non-heterosexual white males, uh, and then what helps invite some of those uh, minority players in. So let's let's talk about barriers. I think the some of the biggest barriers for a convention is uncertainty, like. I don't know if I'm going to go to this convention and then I'm going to end up playing a game and I'm going to be the only woman or the only black person or the only person in a wheelchair or the only person who's hearing impaired. And people are going to look at me funny and it's going to be weird. Like nobody likes to be the only one. Yeah, which is the first one.
1: Which is interesting, right? Because gamers traditionally, at least. We've talked about this, you know, I start, I'm 46, I start in third grade, we're used to being, oh, we're the quote-unquote outcasts, we're the weirdos, and we yeah. all get together, but then when you go to this thing, it's like... Um, you're among a,
2: your tribe. Yeah, you're
1: among your tribe, and it turns out your tribe looks a lot like you, much like when Sean and I were riding motorcycles. We'd go out, ride Harleys, go places, and it turns out everybody bought the same fucking Harley Davidson costume we had on. <laughs> so it's, you know, you know, I'm a rebel, I'm an outcast, I'm wearing the same $350 designer leather jacket that badass is. All right, cool.
2: It is your own particular <clears throat> version of those dumb fraternity shirts, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, it, well, like I said, from i I'm like, oh, I want to make sure it's accommodating, but... Yeah, that's it's a perspective I'm not I know is different than mine. So, oh, keep going, keep going.
0: Oh my so, god, I'm the frat boy of RPG gaming, oh, 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 bro. Oh, dude, oh no, bro. Oh, yuck. Oh,
2: no, not that bad. Not good, I don't want. To. Uh, so, so one of the barriers is um, looking at the marketing for your convention. So, obviously, the chainmail bikini has a storied history in Dungeons and Dragons and having played since 1981 before most of your listeners were born. Uh, I, I've i seen a few chainmail bikinis in my day, but that chainmail bikini says something to women who might play there. They're like, oh, does this mean that the game's gonna have like kind of creepy sexual content? Like they expect my character to be in a chainmail bikini they expect me to be in a chainmail bikini. So look at your, look at your advertising. Is it is it cheesecake? If so, why? What message are you sending?
1: That's a good point, yeah, because the the simplest thing of the graphic you have, is it a landscape, a seascape, whatever, and is the person on the deck of the ship look like a Clyde Caldwell painting? Love you, Clyde. But or do they, you know, (laughs) Yeah. Is it the scantily clad uh, warrior princess look or is it like, look, these are regular adventuring people or so on? No, that that totally makes sense.
2: And and Watsy ditched the chainmail bikini like they ditched it in third edition. Fourth Mm -hmm. edition was a little better. And then Paizo, bless their dear and fluffy hearts, uh, charged into Pathfinder with very female friendly art. And at that point in time, when 5th edition started coming out, Wizards of the Coast knew that they had to step up their game. I think they would have done it anyway, uh, but because of this very strong stance that Paizo took in Pathfinder, they had to. Uh, If if they hadn't, it would have been super weird. So in a sense, at that point in time, you're looking at the messaging for your convention, stepping up to match the publisher of the most popular role-playing game ever made. Fair enough. Um, So that that can be part of a barrier. Um, Another barrier is where and how you advertise. So a lot of conventions are advertised in game stores. And uh, we'll talk about game stores, but even though it is slowly and wonderfully changing, the uh, occupancy of game stores tends to be overwhelmingly white and male. So... Looking at how you advertise, are you advertising at maybe a card shop or a comic shop that is in an area that has a primarily Latino uh, community?
1: Yeah, are because you, where are, where you put the ad tells the people, I'm expecting you to come here because this is something you will enjoy.
2: 100%. 100% okay. Yeah. So I, I live in Atlanta, which, uh, as anybody can tell you, is the bright, shiny center of the universe. And uh, (laughs) you can't convince anybody from Atlanta otherwise. Uh, And the south side of the city tends to have more diverse neighborhoods than the north side of the city inside the perimeter. And by intentionally targeting comic shops, game shops, there aren't many game shops on the south side of the city, but by intentionally ca- targeting comic shops and uh, card shops on the south side of the city, you are inviting non-white players to your show. Like no, that makes out.
1: sense. That No, that absolutely makes sense. And you think games sto- – well, obviously, if I'm running a game con, I should advertise in gaming stores. And no, that totally makes Which gaming stores are you going to be in? Um, Yeah, if all you do is put it in the local one on the other side of town, to use your example, I'm – Inadvertently or advertently limiting my audience.
0: Hmm.
2: Yep, 100%. Good point. Um, Also, uh, where you advertise online can make a difference. So if you're advertising on blackgirlnerds.com, which is kind of a very cool site that I I think is pretty neat, you're sending a message about who's invited. Also, some of your activities uh, at your convention may be more uh, appealing to different demographics or cosplay. Uh, if your con has a big cosplay element, that tends to apply. That tends to attract more women uh, than role playing games. Got it's it. Just part of the part of the process. And the trick is, once you get a woman into your convention, maybe you can tempt her to play games.
0: And
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. also oh. switch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very
1: true. Very very true. Yes. Got it. Got it.
2: Uh we have a we have a group in Atlanta uh called uh formerly known as Atlanta Drunks and Dragons, now they just call themselves Atlanta Dungeons and Dragons. And they are proselytizing D uh as a bar game. So normally we think of like trivia as a bar game or darts or something like that. No. These guys go into bars in kind of the cool area of downtown Atlanta and they're like, Hey, we're playing D. Anybody wanna play? Has anybody ever heard of D D? Does anybody want drink specials while they're sitting at our table? Yes? Okay, come on. We'll give you some dice. That's so, awesome. Right. And so it, it is literally the bait and switch and it works because people like d They love telling stories together. Uh, some, other, some other ways to make uh, your con uh, more inviting, obviously specifically inviting those people, but one way to alleviate the fear of being the only one there is have women and people of color in positions of responsibility and power at your convention and put their faces on stuff okay because that way players are looking at it saying huh well, I mean, I guess if they had black guys that are, you know, running this part of the show, they're, they're obviously black people are, uh, obviously if the, if there's a woman in charge of this part of the con, then uh, they have a, you know, it's not all white guys running it. So it's probably not all white guy's going to be. there.
1: Oh, no, that makes sense. No, so that, that's legit. I mean, I, I look at one of my co, um, one of my, the co-owner director, um, it's Bill, me and Chris and Chris's, if it weren't for her and her brilliant, Uh, brain for money because she's like CPA level teacher. Uh, uh, We wouldn't have a con because I suck at at math. And uh, my wife told me the first thing she said, you need somebody who knows money better than you. I'm like, well, honey, that's everybody. So, but anyway, yeah, no, that's no, that makes sense because somebody like that being in the special shirt, they're obviously in charge. They get to make decisions. They're doing important things. No, that that's 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 it. What you're saying is so like, well, duh, Brett, in my head, but it's yeah, it's a small piece, but it doesn't happen. It. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. if if it doesn't happen, you know.
2: Well, it doesn't happen by accident. That's True. the thing. Yeah. it doesn't happen by accident because there's this idea of you know a convention is a meritocracy, and we're going to get somebody to do the money, and we're just going to pick the best person to do it. And, you know, my my friend Fred does money, and my friend John uh, does people's taxes, and my, mm. my friend Mark is a, is a mathematician. We'll get, you know, these are people I know. But until you say, yeah, Fred, Mark, and John can do it, but so can Jennifer, and so can Michelle, and so can Cindy. And everything being held equal, let's pick one of the women, because everybody else is a dude.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, and again, it's, why, why not? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I I totally agree. Okay, that makes sense.
2: So that kind of representation in places of power uh, can make a convention very inviting. Uh, Also having women DMs and DMs that come from other minority groups that you want to attract uh, is also very, um, can be very inviting uh, because that way, when you go to the table, you're not the only one.
1: Makes sense. Even if you're walking through... Mm-hmm. And it's the, this person looks like or similar to me, or I, I share a resemblance to, therefore, I am, you know, they're in a, it's a, well, Game Master is a position of power, right? It and, is. And, you it know, is. so that person's doing things and they're running and they're leading a charge at that table, they're in control of that table. Okay, I'm with you.
2: And, and specifically saying, like, it sounds weird when you're looking for DMs and, and believe me, we need uh, about a hundred DMs to make Dragon Kong go. Uh, it sounds weird when you're looking for DMs to say, hey, I'd like I'd like some women DMs, or I'd like some trans DMs, or I specifically want to find some black DMs or Latino DMs, and you kind of have to hunt them down. And it, it takes sometimes a little bit of specifically inviting them, because it's like, hey, I have a convention, I need DMs. Okay, yeah, all right.
1: Yeah, but, so does everybody else. Whatever, right, dude.
2: Right, but to specifically go to... John and say, John, look, I'd really like you to DM for my con. Uh, you are black and there are not enough people of color at our convention, and it's really important to me to have you there as a DM in a position of power to show people that uh this is a game for everyone.
1: I feel so on my side, Paige, when I hear them like I love the idea and then as a con organizer I go, Oh, am I gonna be seen as a patronizing dick? If I ask that question that way, I you know then I, yeah, I worry. I, you know I worry, but I guess the, the what I'm hearing though is fuck your worry, Brett. Go do that thing, right? <laughs> Don't be worried about it. the The benefit outweighs my discomfort because whatever, dude. It's just so what.
2: So I you know, it, it, I guess it can be done in a patronizing way.
1: Yeah, I'm, it's the it's the tone and the delivery because the way you're saying it, I'm like you know that that works from that. I just I like I love what you're saying. So sorry.
2: So it, I mean, it's also. You know, in the in the very, at the very base, basic level, I think any reasonable person will see you saying, hey, I see a problem in that my con, my space, whatever it is, is not diverse enough. And I want to do something to see if I can fix that. And I'm, I'm going to try this. And I'm sorry if I'm saying it the wrong way, but my my heart is honestly in the right place. And I think people will get that.
1: Well, fair enough. That makes sense. I like that.
2: Um, another thing that every convention must, must, must have is a solid code of conduct. Mm-hmm. Like a code of conduct, and it's got to be visible and everybody's got to see it. Like it's got to be on your website. It's got to be on the door of the game area. Like you need to send it to every DM and, you know, prep them to be able to interact with it and let them know what it is, and let them know that they are required to shut down any bullshit at their table. Like, they are required to shut down bullshit at their table. Um, That code of conduct strongly tells the woman who's afraid of a table getting kind of rapey, or a person of color who's afraid of hearing whatever.
1: No, no, that makes sense. At their
2: table, that it's just not going to fly. And the thing is, you have to you have to lead from the top, you have to walk the walk. Like Dave Cody, who's kind of the, the boss dog of everything that I need to ever think about for Dragon Con is very strongly said, I believe in women at my con, I believe in people of color at my con, I believe in making my con fully accessible for anybody who's mobility limited. Uh, and I believe 100% in having full LGBT plus representation and anything else is absolutely unacceptable. And I will fire you from my con if you mess with me. Well, no. alright then.
1: no, that's good. I mean, I've, I walked two people out of my con for similar issues. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing you've got to do. And it's one of those pieces that goes to, no, I it, it mean, you've got to, you can say the thing all day long. And that's a piece I've heard from. Um, when I had the the two altercations, altercations too strong, but when I had the two instances at my convention that I dealt with. Um, <clears throat> I've I had people talk to me afterwards and say, this is the first time I'd seen a thing," and I'm like, "Really? No?" And they're like, "No, it's probably it, it's, the it's, first it's...
2: time they've seen it." But it's well, not they, they, the first they
1: saw time anybody do happened. any, they saw anything ah, anybody do anything about it. I'm like, "Really? Are you kidding?" Because again, me being me, I'm like, "Holy shit! You're kidding me that all the the horror stories I've seen are true?" And they're like, "Oh yeah." I I just get used to certain things. I'm like, oh, that's fucking Mm -hmm. stupid No, it's true.
2: It's true. Um, And, and I've been running, so this is 2019. I've been running D&D conventions for about the better part of 20 years, not quite 20 years. And in that time during third edition or 3.5, I had to ask somebody to leave the con because he would, there was a question about whether or not his adventure records were actually a thing, which is an old reference from living gray Hawk from 3.5. If you don't want it, it is doesn't matter. We thought he was cheating.
1: <laughs> so he,
2: he was walked out of the con never to be seen again, <clears throat> like never to be seen again. Uh, and then I literally did not have another problem until late last year and somebody pitched a fit at a table about lgbt themes in dragon heist and i said you two are not only uninvited to my con but don't ever come back to atlanta i've thrown you out of the city which of course (laughs) i I can't really do uh but i said i am absolutely refunding your money and then i'm giving you double your money back to get you your gas money just get out of town don't ever come back
1: (laughs) I like yeah, that. That's, the, that's a big boot. I like it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was I was pretty I was pretty hot. Um, and the the thing is, everybody looked at me like with these huge big eyes. They're like, "Oh my gosh, did you see what she did?" And I'm like, "Dude, that that does not fly at my cons." And once you do that once, everybody realizes the boundary has been tested, and you you do walk the walk of your code of conduct, and there are dramatically fewer problems afterwards.
1: No, that's very true. I've witnessed that firsthand. Yeah. Well, Absolutely true.
2: So having that code of conduct is mission critical. And if you're out there listening and you run a con or you run a game day, uh, just Google code of conduct or look at the ones for some of the big cons in your area, because I guarantee you they have them. Uh, the big conventions like Dragon Con or Gen Con or PAX have to have them for liability and insurance purposes. hmm uh, that are not really issues for smaller cons but the smaller cons still have to have them also for some CYA but it's gotten to the point where every convention runner I've met uh, wants to do the right thing and that's just part of doing the right thing. I'll tell so you having, having that
1: it. documented if you don't have it documented the person that you have to deal with whatever that person, whatever their hang up is whatever their fucked up problem is is you have a harder leg to stand on. If for no other reason you now have a sword and a shield in your hand that says I have a code of conduct, you've read it, it was required, I've told everybody about it. everybody here knows what it is. You, sir, madam, or whatever you are, are failing. You're an, you're a punk. Get the fuck out. You can yep. you can do that if you have things documented and just from it's a piece of like corporate world that comes down to everyday hobby life is that writing it down and making it be official gives you a lot more power to enforce something when you see bullshit happen.
2: Well, it's also the rule. It's not just you doing something personal to them. Like that is, that is the rule. I wrote it down. That's why it's a rule. Yep.
1: It, it's, and it, it's equally enforced across the whole con. Yep. And, and, and the thing
2: is, you can't just write it down. You have to display it prominently. Um, and you have to pull your DMS aside. Or if you're, you know, if you're, if you have somebody running your DMs, like DragonCon, like, lordy, there is no time for the board to pull every person who DMs for me aside and say, do the thing. They rely on me as their lieutenant to do do that for them. Mm-hmm. But I have to talk to every single DM. We have we have conference calls, and I go through the code of conduct. And I'm like, if you see this, this, and this, you must respond to it that, that, and that way. And... And believe me, you raise your hand and you you let me know. Because as the DM, you are not the police. <laughs> you yep. are just the person who calls the police. And then you come over and I, I will solve everything.
1: Got it. Okay.
2: Yeah. So having that code of conduct is, is super important.
1: So is there anything more on cons? I'm thinking this is a good spot to shift to game stores a little bit because it feels yeah. very similar. Now, with the code of conduct, I mean, I, th- I think about that and looking at like the game store perspective. Got to have or- it. Yep. Okay. Got to have it. Yeah. A lot All of right. games.
2: A lot of game stores don't because from uh, insurance and CYA and corporate whatever, it's not strictly required. However, however, a game store is really small. I don't care how big your game store is, it becomes a very small environment between the boss or the owner and the staff, and what that boss does, the staff will model. It, it's just. Human psychology—that is just how it works. So, if the boss owner says, "Here's the code of conduct," and uh, it's in a notebook behind the register, and we're never going to talk about it again, then that is going to send a certain set of signals. Or if the boss says instead, "This is my code of conduct. It's also on the front door. It's also on the you know on the inside of every door in the bathroom, and it's also laminated and on the front of the card case." And uh, this know, is
1: prominently displayed. Can you not read? Right. This is right. how we behave here.
2: And any, all of my employees are required to be vigilant for any of these things going on in it. And anybody who comes in to judge magic or other card games, or DM or run anything, any kind of position of like pseudo power, but not an employee, uh, is required to go over it and and know it. And I have escorted customers to the door then then you get a very different environment
1: yeah i think there's i i think can i want to say this so game stores because especially brick and mortars right there's they're so small or they tend to be small they're like one paycheck to paycheck i can maybe buy a bologna sandwich this week type of sometimes And and i can definitely feel the hesitancy coming from somebody going are you fucking kidding me Paige? what if i threw everybody out who did that i'd have no store left yeah, you know, I, I could hear that it, it's coming. It's the
2: opposite though. It's the opposite yeah. though. Because if you throw out one guy who's being creepy or handsy or stalkery towards a woman, you've told fifty percent of the people that live in your area that you're gonna stick up for him.
1: No, I like that. That's that's very true.
2: Um and 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 everything else just follows. Plus, in addition, it's the right thing to do. Like, it's just by any measure or social good, you want to call it, the right thing to do.
1: True enough, okay. And if
2: you get a reputation for doing the right thing, you'll be surprised what happens. (laughs) Somehow, all assholes start saying... Huh? That person has a reputation for doing the right thing. I think I'll go elsewhere.
1: Yeah, well, when the feedback is I can't be a douchebag over there. I I can't, you know, yeah. be a dick to women over there. I don't want to go there anymore. That, okay. That's like I right, I didn't want you there anyway. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. Very very true.
2: And at a game store. So my what I have seen. Hmm. The biggest evolution, here's a bright way to put it, the biggest evolution I've seen in game stores in the past 40 years, 30 years, 35 years, is that game stores have realized that 50% of the people in their service area are women, and they can make a whole lot more money if they sell things that those women want to buy.
1: Okay. What? Rocket science.
2: <laughs> Rocket science. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I've, yeah. My My wife is only a casual gamer and yeah, I'm I'm buying it. No, I'm yeah. buying, what, I'm buying and, what you're putting down. <laughs>
2: and every woman who plays games in game stores, if you talk to her and say, why didn't, why do you go to this game store instead of that game store? Well, that other game store is kind of scary. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. So, one way you decrease the creep factor, which is reducing those barriers, is you look at your advertising. Again, are all the posters on your walls just tits and ass?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, how how many comic book stores have you gone into, right? Right, Where you're like, okay, there's Lady Death, and there's this one, and this Psylocke one, and this one. Psylocke
2: and and and, her lingerie.
1: I mean, it's, it's sexy as all hell, I won't deny, but um, there are children and other people here, and there's ladies here, and, and other and people who nothing... may not be. Why, why does this have to be the only thing you have on the walls?
2: Right, and it's, the thing is, like, Psylocke and her lingerie is super sexy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Nobody denies that, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. People like looking at sexy, good-looking people. Like, that's cool. But if that's all you have, then you're sending a message. Like, you know, the Rat Queens, who are super sexy, like you can't, nobody will tell you otherwise, uh, are super sexy, but they're also super powerful. They're also out there kicking a whole lot of ass. Like, put a Rat Queens poster up there. Tell me you guys know who the Rat Queens are.
1: I don't. I feel
0: like an (gasps) idiot. I feel like Uh, I'm not a comic book guy. I'm a favorite so rat queens
2: are an all women D anD D adventuring party, also comic book, and uh, they are. I'll, edu- I'll educate you on rat queens. Do it; either. it's good for your
1: life. That's oh what god. we're I'm, here for. I'm looking at uh, absolutely. I'm looking at the uh, look at the art. I oh my god, Those are yeah, they're cool. they're
2: sexy, but they're super badass, and, <laughs> they, look
1: bad. they look totally badass. <laughs> they
2: are badass.
1: Oh my god!
2: So if you're showing the Girls and women at your your store that women can be powerful, women can be badass. Uh, if you look at uh, some of the other comics that have come out, like the new Shira show.
1: Yeah, uh, oh my, she- my uh, Both my my daughter and my son, my, AJ and Lana, love that show. They yeah. both love the hell yeah. out of that thing.
2: Like like girls love that stuff. They love it. So if you show women in a diversity of roles, like they're powerful. They're funny. They're, uh, heroes. They're, um, you know, they can be tragic heroes. So if you show, um, the Wonder Woman's along with the Psylocke's, you are sending a message. Another big thing is put some black people posters up in your store. Like Miles Morales, I don't know if you've seen Into the Spider Verse. If you haven't, please do.
1: Oh, but, I have. That is on. That's on my list. Oh, all my! All my so buddies, good. Are, my friends, so have good. told me that is they would watch that above any other uh, Marvel movie. They love it so much.
2: It's. It, I'm not saying it's my favorite Marvel movie because I'm a big fan of the Winter Soldier, but uh, it's certainly up there. It's certainly up there. But putting. Uh, pictures of black people and brown people in comics and god bless i know there's not enough i know there's not enough but making sure your art is representative is super important because you're saying to those children who are coming into your store to read comics uh that black people and brown people are expected to be here they're heroes they're flat out heroes they're unequivocally heroes
1: one of the um one of my favorite stories i can't remember if we got if the LaSanta, when he was on the last time, if he mentioned this on the show, but he was uh, telling us how he was at Gen Con one year when, um, oh, what was the one, uh, White Wolf, it was their fantasy game. I can't remember what the hell it was. But it, they had on the cover, they had this gorgeous African-American woman. And he said, I saw these two uh, black ladies walk up and said, do you have anything on it with her? I want to buy that book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that's powerful. And I, I, I told that story to uh, Jen Brinkman um, uh, from she's a big DCC person, Dungeon Crawl Classics and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and a couple of the other folks within the DCC space. And they have said that when they're at the booth, one of the um, archetype characters they have, she has the big Afro puffs and yeah. she's just, she's she's that girl and she's just a total badass and uh talk to uh the people at the booth they're like i will get people coming i want her on anything give me that because it's so not represented mm-hmm. that what's out there so the idea of well i don't know if it'll it just logistically i don't know if it'll sell oh oh dude it's, yeah, gonna, it it's gonna so, sell so it's gonna move
2: obviously fifth edition dnd kicking ass like uh was it Last year, two years ago, where I don't know, somebody at Watsy, Merles or Lindsay or somebody pointed out that more, I have to find the tweet later, more fifth edition players handbooks had been sold than every other edition put together.
0: Yes. Yeah, I heard. I saw the same stat.
2: If you open your fifth edition players handbook, the very first picture on the inside is of an extremely dark skinned black man with a scimitar in each hand and he's not Drazit. he's definitely not a drow uh and arrows on his back fighting goblins yep and the fighter and the wizard obviously two of the most iconic classes in dungeons and dragons are both typified by people with brown skin. Like, Watsy has started to figure it the heck out. Finally. Finally. You took five editions, but I'm proud of them. At least. Well they got here. there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they that fast. makes it, it it's goofy because you I have, I have heard the argument, and I'll be honest, I have made the argument in my younger, stupider past of like, well, why does that matter? I don't understand, blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's adorable for someone to say that.
2: It's fine when you're 12 and you don't Yeah,
1: But, you know, I'm 46, and I have friends, and I've known people, and I know lots of people who are interested in things. And by not doing a thing, I am even, quote, unquote, accidentally or however it happens, I am alienating a group of mm-hmm. people. Simply by non-including them. Yep. By non-inclusion, I have alienated them from. This is part of you, um, and it's but, not
2: intentional. It's not no. And it,
1: that I guess that's that's the piece is that why not take the time to make it intentionally inviting? Mm-hmm. Right.
2: See the the thing is like we were raised for thirty years for D anD D was a bunch of white guys. It's everything we saw. It's everything we knew, and. I DM a lot, lot. I DM in a lot of cons. And I purposely make a lot of my bad guys female. And it will blow people's minds when I say, the Orc Chieftain swings her axe at you, roll 18. I'm coming in, buddy. And they're like, whoa, wait, did you see that, that she? I'm like, yeah, the Orc Chieftain's a she. (laughs) that. female yes absolutely
1: and this is and this is scary how and why
2: no it's not scary it's just like like, in their head when i was talking about this big orc chieftain with rippling muscles and a big bloody axe and skins and a hat with horns on it they assumed it was a dude why because we trained them for 30 years to think that they were all dudes so
1: no that's that's a good point i mean it we've got to get better yeah. And it's gonna take a little bit are. it's gonna take a little are. bit of time, but that's not an excuse for laziness either
2: yeah right? like like this is i I honestly think we are living in the golden age of Dungeons and Dragons because the amount of input and players and publishers and art directors and writers and show runners and convention organizers that are women that are lgbt plus folks and that our people of color is bigger than it's ever been and it's getting bigger all the time plus somewhere dnd got cool i'm really confused at how that happened but i don't want to say anything too loudly because i don't want it to change
1: no i'm with you there was sean <laughs> i talked about that a while back and we were at gary con and i, I see joe, joe manganello and super sweet guy and you know, Satine Phoenix and the, these very famous, very popular people. And you're like, Vin wow. Vin
2: Diesel plays yeah, D&D. Um, I mean, uh, like, oh my yeah. God. Like,
1: okay. I think what was, oh my God, the one woman who was in the movie Red with Bruce Willis, she what played with Vin Diesel at one point. It was just, Helen Mirren? Yeah, Helen Mirren apparently. Had really? Had with so Vin I at one point.
2: love Helen Mirren. So to know that she plays D&D, like my heart grew three sizes. Even, even
1: if she only just played it once, I don't right? care, right? It's just, it's just really cool. And it just, it became a, it became a thing. And I think, there is perhaps, and this and this is almost like a jump into home gaming as a player, is where we have a thing. I had a buddy of mine um, ages back. I haven't seen. Um, I've, I've got a bunch of guys named John. This John I have not seen or game with in many years, but he was getting angry with certain games coming out, newer versions of D D, because it was too easy to learn. Yeah, he yeah. had this love of the fact that only after decades of studying the Gygaxian. Lack of pros. Did you actually figure out how fucking ultravision worked, right? Well, and and, and he he hated that. True. And I'm like, guy, why why do you want that educational barrier of entry to be so high? And when I hear you talk about this, it reminds me of that conversation. How dumbfounded I was mm-hmm. that John looked me in the eye and said, "Well, it's too easy for people." I'm like, why do you want it to be hard just to justify how hard it was back then? For Christ's sake, you're not my grandfather. Come on, man. You know
2: it, it is. And I, you know, back in the day. I played a lot of very technical 3.5. Like I could power game with the best of them. I had like, I had an Archer character who had about six different three, three or four different classes and three or four different prestige classes. She had two belts of battle. She had like a plus three, holy demon bane lightning longbow. It was a hot mess. Like if I could see it, I could kill it. It was amazing. And, (laughs) and I DM'd a lot of very technical 3.5 and, and my last game I DM'd was a uh Valley meta regional, which is again a Living Greyhawk thing, which will not make sense to anybody who's not ancient like me. And uh, the bad guy was a cleric, and he had um, uh, a succubus sorcerer girlfriend, and then like a ghoul bard, dirge singer, corpse chanter uh, MC, and then a, and a chorus line of the drowned behind him which it means nothing if you didn't play 3.5. But it was a lot of dudes, and he had, like, 20 buffs on him. And uh, my party was about APL 18 or so, and they, which means most characters were 18th level-ish, average 18th level. And they came in with, like, a greater dispel, some kind of bullshit magic empowered <laughs> dispel, a reaving dispel, and then, then I don't know what else. And I'm like, all right, guys, okay, cool. Let me see if he keeps his buffs. So roll, roll, roll. All right, so he's lost half. Great. Y'all go get lunch. I'm gonna refigure out his stats. Then we'll pick right back up and we'll go. Here's here's five bucks. Give me a hot dog, and and then I recalculate the stats. We don't go. And I'm like, this is not fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is fun have, for have, anybody.
1: Have you ever have you ever played Rollmaster or any of the? I
2: not for more than about an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say what you just described to me makes me want to stab my eyes out. Worse than my worst Rollmaster game.
2: Yeah, yeah. I in and, and fifth edition. They've lowered the barrier for everything, and people have caught on. Pe- I, lots of gaming companies have caught on, like Shadowrun, which is a game I truly adore and have hated the rules for, for every edition, but I still love the game. And, uh, cause it hit like a comment in about 1989, when I was a oh, teenager in yeah. high school, it just blew up our d d games.
1: Oh, same same here. When that Elmore cover came out, you saw the oh Decker, the Spellcaster. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. I want, what is this game? I must own it and oh, live it. Oh, yes. played
2: it so hard. Like, and the rules were crazy. Like You could put a, <laughs> uh, a
1: <laughs> that was bad. mana was ball so down bad. that would
2: burn down the whole city. Nothing would live except every chork every orc or or troll would be standing there looking at you kind of blinking and then like dust the ass off their ash off their their shoulders and then just come over and destroy you. Um, They are coming out with a new edition in a couple of months that's supposed to be streamlined, ease of learning, bring people on board. Like these game systems are starting to get democratic.
1: You know what's interesting about it too, and I've I've had this conversation with a couple of, of my buddies, and other people I've met over the years. I'm like, those other games are still out there, right? Yeah. With with the power of drive through RPG and the interwebs, I can find it, and I still have all of them. So my group, for whatever reason, had a hankering for a really uber tactical fine Pathfinder. It is whack. I threw it out. And we're having a blast. We're having a lot of fun mm-hmm. with it. It will wear out its welcome with me after this campaign is over, um, but it's still there. So just because just because there's a barrier of entry that's lowered for this version of your favorite thing doesn't mean the previous version is dead. Yep. You know, if you really like first edition AD and D, you know you can get Osric or not or do whatever the hell you want. It's still Mm -hmm. fucking out there. You can. You could. I told my son AJ, I said you don't ever have to buy another game other than the first game if you really really want to. Yep. I mean, it's just a thing you can do. And I think about that conversation and this one right now, and I extrapolate that out to people and images and advertising and everything else we just, we talked about earlier. And I'm like, yeah, why would I make any of this harder for someone to get? I have so much goddamn fun with this hobby. Why would I not want somebody else to have fun?
2: Yeah. Why, why would I not want to, to take this, this to other people? Why would I, why would I want to keep it away from anyone unless they're a
1: yeah, I mean, I proselytized this to every family mm-hmm. member and friend I had for the longest time. Like, you got to try this. Oh my God, it's this dude. Ah, you got to play this game.
2: And it got cool enough where you don't feel super creepy about doing it. Like, that's the <laughs> lovely thing.
1: It's, it is. It's very lovely. It absolutely Cause, is.
2: Because if you had done this in the late 80s or the 90s, you'd have been a creep.
1: <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have gone over so well. No. <laughs>
2: No. So so with your game stores, so with your game stores, in order to make them more inviting, uh these games are set up for it. There's a real the real hunger for so many people to try it. Like there's a lot of people in whatever zip code your game yes, you, whoever's listening to me, with your game store, you in your zip code, fifty percent of your customers are women. And a lot of them have heard about D D and are kind of interested in it and are a little creeped out. One way you can invite them into your store is inviting them into your store. Specifically, you say, hey, we're having a women's and non-binary person's game day. You get some women in your area to run it. You set aside a special day for it. And then those women and non-binary persons know that they can go there and they're not going to get shit.
1: Yeah. Because the, the whole day is yeah. for that. And, and there's a some- code of conduct on the door, as we talked about. So yeah, everybody knows. S-
2: and somebody's going to pitch a fit. Well, why do they get a women's game day? When do we get a guy's game day? Every day is guy's game day. <laughs> like, <laughs> every day is guy's game day. Like there have been days when there have been no women or hardly any women in the store. Let them have one day. Let them have one day.
1: It I've actually be- I've never I've never been kicked off of a table because I was a guy. Yeah. I've never had anybody treat me bad. I sat down at a table when it's um, mostly women or LGBT people, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you want? We had an open spot. You want to play? I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll play. Whatever. <laughs> no, no one, no one's, no, no one's, no one's ever kicked me out
0: yeah. or or giving me a weird look. They're like, I'm, oh my god, you want to play? Let's give me a sit down. I'm not the gamer's boyfriend. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, lovely. Well, okay. Right, Paige. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So the um, so run a women's game day. There will be somebody who will pitch a fit, let them go, let them pitch that fit. Uh, Hopefully most of the rest of your customers who demographically speaking, I'm willing to bet on a statistical basis are heterosexual males. Let them know you're introducing ladies to Dungeons and Dragons. Let that percolate a minute. Ladies.
1: Well, well, well Dungeons what's the and
2: dragons?
1: So, or so, <laughs> so, talking about old old school uh, stereotypes. What's the fear passes, and right, they realize sure, and they realize sure, what might happen, sure, sure, right? But no, I am no, I was dead serious. I mean, there's no, there's no reason not to,
2: yeah, so right. Have, and it, have a ladies' game day.
1: Yeah, okay, got it.
2: And 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 the other thing is, nobody wants to look foolish. Nobody wants to look dumb. And so a lot of people look at Dungeons and Dragons like, well, I don't really know how to play and I don't want to go and I'll be the only person who doesn't know and I'm going to look like an idiot and it's just not worth that. I'm not going to do that to myself. By saying it's a a women's and non-binary persons uh, or an LGBT game day and saying new players enthusiastically welcome. DM's ready to teach new players the game. Then you're setting it up to relieve the fears the fears What's the, of the best
1: of both worlds you're getting in yeah. the you're getting the other half of the half of the demographic who may not be in your store spending guess what money because yep. that's what people spend and that new person who's been walking by your store but hasn't for whatever reason decided to grab the handle and walk yeah. in yeah now you've done two things
2: yep so so <clears throat> setting up a say a women a women's day is is a good thing um I've done one in Atlanta and it went over great. I've just been too busy and hadn't done another one. But the Atlanta Dungeons and Dragons group did something called Sladies Night. And it was a week long celebration of women in gaming. So it was women and uh, non binary DMs. And every time I say women, if you're wondering, I mean, of course, trans women, because trans women are women, period, in the story. Uh, but uh, women's and non-binary persons as DMs and as players, uh, people who are men identifying were always welcome as well, but it was just a way to really um, celebrate the women in Atlanta who play games and run games and run them very well. Very cool. And it was it was a week-long celebration, man. It was amazing. Uh, and it's all volunteer. So, so run a women's game day. You'd be, you'd be surprised. Run a, or not even a whole game day, just game night, one game. Let them run something.
1: You know, so that actually, that takes me to talking about like home games and players perspective. Sure. So if we take it out of there down to like, what do, what do I, what can I, one person do? Well, things you mentioned, there's volunteers while you were talking that hit me. Cause like <clears throat> my daughter wanted to run. Uh, this game she'd made up at Evercon. So I helped mm-hmm. her figure out an adventure. So she made up. It was great. She had stuffed animals and all these boys and girls were playing with her. She had a blast. She was exhausted. She was It was a oh, great game. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> it was some, tons of fun. And one of the things she said was, she's like, I'm really nervous and I'm really scared. And I said, Well, one of the things you got to remember, Elana, is that all the other kids are going to play with you because we capped the age. So they'd be about her age. I said, mm-hmm. They're going to see you as somebody who is strong enough to try this and they're going to have a lot of fun. So she got done, and one of the things that she was so happy about was everybody else, all the other girls and boys who played with her were five total, that said, could I try to do what you did? And she said, well, of course you can. So I look at that, and I say what what Paige is saying here, if there's someone listening to us, you're like, well, you know, my game store doesn't have one, I think it's legit to say, you could go ask. Yeah. You, you may well find out a thing about your game store that makes you uncomfortable, like, oh, wow, they, they don't like that type of thing here. But... I would strongly encourage any woman listening to us, any LGBT person to say, Hey, you know, I'm going to go to my local game store and say, Hey, could I run a, an event of some kind? Because most game store owners I know, they're stretched thin. They don't have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of time. They're like, look, are you volunteering to run an event at my store? okay, good. Yes. <laughs> I don't know many games. The few <laughs> games Store owners I do know personally, they're all like, could somebody please volunteer to do anything? Yes. I will let you in. Damn near. And if you're out there listening,
2: grab me on Twitter, grab me on Facebook, ask me questions. I will walk you through the process. We can get you through this.
1: So is um is a good way to... So obviously we, we talked a lot about D&D. We've, we've mm-hmm. in with a couple other ones. Do you see... Um, the AL stuff, the organized play, is a good way so to I, help to help break people into to knock the barrier of entry down. Does that help make things inviting?
2: I think so, and here's why. So, you can say a lot of things about organized play and adventures league, and God knows a lot of people have.
1: I hate it. I love it. <laughs> right, there we go. <laughs> right.
2: Uh, but it is a consistent product. Generally, the adventures are not going to have. Scenes of sexual violence in them. And you can't say that if you walk into a store and play somebody's homebrew. You have no idea what you're going to get. And God knows there are plenty of stories of somebody walking into a game store, playing homebrew, and coming up with something terrible.
1: Yes. Uh, oh, and, yeah.
2: And Adventurous League will never do that to you. Adventurous League has a code of conduct. Well, no, I take that back. Adventurous League used to have a whole code of conduct. Now, places that want to run. Certain big events have to have it, but in mm-hmm. general, in general, the D and D Adventures League DMs are pretty good people. Uh, but for certain, the Adventures League administration is extremely woman friendly, and they have plenty of women on staff. I mean, you know, not enough because it was all men for a long time. So once it's all women for an equal number of years, then we'll call it enough. <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, like they, like, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, when will there be enough women's Supreme court justices when there are nine,
1: when we stop asking that question, right. You know, for God's sakes. Right.
2: Uh, but, uh, adventurous league f- from the get go, from its DNA is designed to be friendly to Minority players, and it is designed to be friendly to women. So I think it's a great way to start. I think it's a great way to start. I think
1: that's it. I like that. I like that. That thought because it gives you, if you're thinking about volunteering to do something at a game store, even at a convention or whatever, it is a there's a canned curated experience mm-hmm. that's in that's in this that lets you have there are bumpers if you will yep. of your own personal safety like look if i'm branching into this thing this volunteering thing i want to do something <clears throat> do something that uh, that tries to knock down or be a little more inviting it's a good way to put your toe in mm-hmm. with something familiar called dungeons and dragons that's built up and has a good support structure on it so you don't you're not doing it all by yourself. You know, it's not like I sat down with Sean and said, all right, we want to do a thing. How are we going to do it? All right, let's get page in here. Let's craft this whole new thing. No, this is already existing. Yep. You can tap right into that vein. I like that.
2: And plus it's a lot, I mean, from again, from its DNA, it's designed to be drop in drop out. Most games are an adventure which takes two to four hours to play ish normally. You come in, you play for one night, the next time you either don't have to show up. There's no expectations like a like a campaign would have or you can get a completely different table and group of people like it's the best kind of speed dating for gamers.
1: Yeah, Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, that so I was going to say that's a way to get from like some of that from the home area mm-hmm. out. Are there things and this is kind of where I, I know some people I've spoken to get irritated um, are there things at home when I'm running a game, or are there things as a player that I'm doing? You know, because people will say, "Well, it's my friends; I don't have to do X or whatever." Are there still sure. things that you look at it and you say, "You know what, guys?" Because again, mostly guys, if you did this, that, or the other thing, that would help you when you went outside those these four basement walls or whatever it is. Sure. So, again, I don't know, so I'm asking. Yeah.
2: If, if so, look at your look around at your home game it's probably you and some number of guys. That's fine. You may not have any women at your table and you may not have an extra seat where you could invite one at your table, but maybe the next time a seat opens up, you ask a woman to play. That's that's one thing you can do and that can be frightening because maybe you don't have any women who play that are friends. That's why Adventures League is good is a good thing because you can go around and you play with a bunch of different people. It's like, hey, I played with that one. I kind of like her. What do you think? She'd be a good fit. Yeah, I think she'd be pretty cool. She'd do right on the table. All right, cool. But even if you don't have a woman at your table, you should consider the option of making your game more woman-friendly because you are modeling behavior at your personal game table that's going to stick with you when you go out into the real world at a con or store and actually play perhaps with a woman at your same table. Are 50% of your NPCs women?
0: Oh, good question. If not, why not? Not Oh, good question. They better be Wizards of the Coast. (laughs) I'm running your stuff.
2: (laughs) And and they probably are. But here's a true story. Here's a true story. So Ben and I are in charge of Elmwood for the convention-created content program for Wizards of the Coast for for Dragon Con. And what that is is that means Dragon Con writes adventures and Ben and I are, are large and in charge of that. Uh, and they're set in a little town called Elmwood. And uh, the reason why we picked Elmwood, well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons why we picked Elmwood uh, is because in D&D Adventures League canon, it was burned to the ground, completely wiped out. And we're like, well, that means we can bring it back and make it anything we want. So uh, we decided to make all of our adventures take place in Elmwood. And when they first started the uh, League or the convention created content program, uh, it was in the spring of 2016. And you had to have like the adventures ready six months before the con or three months before the con and then your outlines in, so on and so forth. And I realized they just started the program. And if we wanted content at Dragon Con, we had to write three adventures in like five weeks. Damn! And I said, Ben, I love you. And we cannot do this by ourselves and still have jobs. And he's like, you're right. And I like food and a house and cats. And I can't have any of these if I don't have a job. Like you're right. So we assembled a whole team of people. And we're like, all right, this team of 20 people, we're gonna write. Uh, three full-length, four-hour adventures in five weeks. And uh, here's the project management and here's how it's got to go. Here's our Gantt chart and we cannot deviate. So one of the things we did is I took um, the town, kind of got the structure set up and I said, hey, friend one, friend two, and friend three, who were all guys because most of the designers were guys, not all, but most. Uh, I said, I need you to come up with the NPCs for the town. So here I need about 50 NPCs. We're going to be with these NPCs for the rest of our career. So make sure they're good. Go. And then they brought it back to me. And uh, 90% of the NPCs that they made were white and something like 80% of them were male. And I'm like, did they,
1: so when you say they were white, no, I'm just, I'm going to ask the stupid guy question. Did they specifically call that out or was just so glaringly obvious by reading them?
2: It was, uh, so when I asked them which ones were not white, they said, oh, that one, that one, and that one, and that one, and this one. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. Got it.
2: All right. First of all, fail. (laughs) You're going to go back and 51% of the NPCs will be female. Uh, Two, you're going to have at least I don't know, forty percent of them be non-white in some way, what some way, shape, or another. At least, mm-hmm. come back to me with that. And these are not evil guys. These are guys that I love. They're they're people I have been playing D and D with for many years, and they're all gentle, kind, woke, more or less guys. But it didn't occur to them to make fifty percent of the female the NPCs female.
1: Which is interesting. Occur, just it, and to. it's interesting because I think about all the world building I've done and and so on, and you you think about it like, oh well, yeah, I tried to model this, or you want it to, <clears throat> excuse me, feel real. When the fact is, when I you know walk down the street. Fifty percent <laughs> is that's just how that is. You know, you th- this is this is the real world, and if you want to model something that feels real and genuine, it can't be it can't be what you described there. That yeah, makes yeah. sense, but it's, it, you have to think about it. And go, oh shit, yeah, I didn't re- I didn't even realize I was doing that.
2: And Fuck you me. have to make sure that your NPCs, your women NPCs, exhibit a realistic uh, range of behaviors attitudes and outcomes like not every you you have 50 percent of your npcs that are female and they're all beautiful uh not physically powerful uh conniving and manipulative you're not doing yourself any favors
1: yeah no that no that makes sense there's it's kind of like they' what do I want to say. It's almost like the the tropes in that space yeah. are even more are even more limited. Well, so for Christ's sake, break them.
2: Yeah, but you know what? they the tropes in that space are more limited. But God bless Brienne of Tarth. Like, like she is a model. Do you have Brienne of Tarth in your game? Do you have only one of them? Why is there only one? You
1: know, okay. If, yeah. if, if there's not
2: a big strong tanky woman or twelve, why not?
1: Fair enough. Well, makes sense.
2: Unless in, and if the reason why not is because, well, it's not historically accurate. Are you telling me you're making a game with elves, dragons, and magic historically accurate? And the type of historical accuracy you've chose to bring in is misogyny?
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, I, had, I, had this, I had this argument with uh, some friends of mine, and uh, we were talking. I can't not remember the name of the author. It was not George R. R. Martin. It was somebody totally different. And we were arguing about the fact that his book had... A tremendous amount of just obnoxious treatment of women and whatever and uh, my buddy was saying well my wife really likes this I said how the hell and he said well well I, I told her that's just kind of how it was back then and I'm like okay first things first there's no back then this is made up there's there's no there's no and, th- this is all pretend why would you do that
2: and unless you're a historical scholar of the Middle Ages, I bet whatever fucked up perspective you have on Middle Ages history is wrong.
1: Yeah, or yeah, or very very blindery skewed. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's a, it's a good point. Okay. So,
2: so make fifty percent of your NPCs female, and make them a diverse array, a diverse variety of types. In fact, when you make an NPC, say, all right, here's an NPC. They're going to be the lieutenant of the, uh, of the person who's not a bad guy, but he's just got, or this bad guy has a competing kind of like this person wants to save all the dragons because they're important at keeping tarasks at bay. And this other person wants to slaughter all the dragons because they eat people. Mm -hmm. So this Lieutenant has these qualities. And then once you get the qualities set up, say, well, what would this person look like if they were uh, a guy? What would this person look like if they were a girl? What would this person look like if they were non-binary? What would this person look like if they were trans? Like, try on some of those different types, and then maybe don't go for guy every time.
1: No, yeah, I think there's a, even the the smallest, most almost useless way, I don't know a better way, to. I don't, I'm losing words right now, but even if you just looked at it and said, hey, if you do this, you have expanded the types of npcs you have
2: yeah and your game it, you know, is it, more it, memorable if you flip those tropes
1: yeah but, if, if you're used to a and b and now you have a b c d e f g hey guess what your world got broader wider deeper all that coolness and um yeah it's it's going to be instead of same old same old people are like oh this is different yeah. and even if that's f- not for shock value but you're leaving you're leaving money on the table.
2: Yeah. Part of what makes Brienne of Tarth interesting in Game of Thrones is the fact that she is a woman because you would expect a big tanky fighter like that who's nobility and chivalry and I stick to my word and all that you'd expect that to be a guy but she's interesting specifically because she's a woman because the yeah. trope got flipped. Mm-hmm. She's interesting also because she's a cool character, but interesting because the the trope got flipped. Uh, also as a as a DM for a home game, like don't do terrible things to women in your adventure. If something's terrible is going to happen to somebody, maybe have it happen to a male character instead. Maybe have it happen to male characters fifty percent of the time. Just saying.
1: No, that's that's legit. I mean, it, there's a like I like I said, if if you're only doing it to the left, yeah, or to the right, you have lost fifty percent of all the story possibilities out mm-hmm. there. You, and you've lost a perspective and everybody's like oh. oh, one of the jokes on on this show is that uh, is i during my vampire the masquerade days i overused dead babies and um that's and, the thing and uh, everybody's like oh it's dead baby. How, how deep are they brad do i need a pitchfork or whatever you know it was just, <laughs> that, it's just that it's the depth of the dead babies is what shocks people now so but it's <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's a, it's it's similar. They're like oh, it's it's a it's a another skeevy conniving uh, thin gorgeous woman who's out for my head. Oh, okay, another one of those. But but and if when that same it, person
2: is Littlefinger instead,
1: yeah, you change it. just yeah. and you use these other pieces out there. These are components in your storytelling toolbox that you're letting you're letting get rusty. You're not mm-hmm. using this stuff, and this is the real world. Why not use this stuff to help spice things up?
2: And it makes you a better DM. It absolutely makes you a better DM because it makes you think about things a little differently.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. That totally makes sense. Yep.
2: Uh, which I guess takes you to kind of the player level, what can yeah, you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the best, one of the best things you can do as a guy who plays tabletop role-playing <laughs> games is meet women who also play tabletop role-playing games. Like just meet them like people and talk to them not ones you think are attractive, just just ones that are interesting. Like uh, one that uh, that is a writer that you like, strike up a conversation. Hey, you wrote this adventure. I was really interested in what you thought about this, that, and the other. Just get to know them like human beings. And And the more women who play games that you know, it gives you a broader range of understanding and appreciation of what women do can do with this game which is some pretty incredible stuff
1: yeah and for and sean and i we joked about earlier right and for god's sakes she's not just the girlfriend of the actual gamer right that's 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 a good way to get stabbed just yeah exactly don't do that when you're at the game store and you're at the table (laughs) and you see that person doing something really cool go have you read this book
0: I'm going to start telling people I'm the boyfriend don't, don't, of the gamer. I'm the don't of the a, gamer. Don't ask
2: if you if they have read that book. Say, hey, what did you think of this book?
0: Oh, there you go.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I like that even better. Yeah, yeah. this book's awesome.
2: What, what oh, did you really? like about it?
1: What did you like about it? I haven't read that yet. Oh, my God, you've got to read this. Yeah. Than, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. Yes, I, I get what you're saying. Yes.
2: And, and I, I understand that there is um a desire to be helpful and bless you if you want to be helpful don't (laughs) like just don't like don't do it like true story so when fourth edition came out uh my friend michael roderick and i went to gen con because gen con yeah it came out at gen con fourth edition did Mm-hmm. And uh we were playing, it was the new game, and we were excited, and, oh my god, it was gonna be so great because Rod and I've been playing D D for most of 3.5. And uh we sit down at the table and we'd been in some of the playtests together, and we were super excited, and uh, you know, I got my character sheet and I was looking it over and you know, whatever. And the bless his heart, the poor little guy next to me, uh saw me looking at my character sheet, and he couldn't have been. T- 20 something i guess like i got socks older than this kid and uh he sees me looking at my character sheet and he's like hey do you want some help understanding your character sheet i've been playing DD a while and i can help you like rod just just put his head in his hands is like i'm gonna have to bail Paige out of jail <laughs> I, I don't know that i have enough money because he was convinced i was gonna go over the table and rip this guy's throat out with my teeth and I just snatched my character sheet out of his hands and I said, I got it. Thanks. Like, there's no way for me to say I, I literally been playing d d longer than you've been drawing breath on this earth. Um, <laughs> and I, I know, I know he was just trying to be helpful. And this is not to be misconstrued as any sort of an apology if you're out there listening to me, because it is absolutely not. Uh, but just don't. No, I- <laughs> if a woman wants or needs help, she will come to you, and she will ask, or she will figure it out herself.
1: One of our, uh, one of uh, Sean and my friends, uh, Mark Hunt, we were talking at uh, Gary. I was talking with him, uh, Gary, Khan a couple of years ago, and we were just talking about different things, um, game experiences and stuff, and and he said, "Yeah, every once in a while, I still get some stupid little white kid, marks, African American guy." Mm-hmm. He wants to explain AD&D to me. And I said, Mark, <laughs> are you kidding me? Mark, Mark's older than all three of us, right? So right. Mark's, Mark, Mark's retired Air Force. And he said, my favorite thing to do is when they say something, like, hey, do you understand or do you whatever? He said, I go through... Like the nittiest, nattiest piece of the rule, and say, "Well, I'm really concerned about how the game master is going to play with the Horn of Valhalla because if its version, blah blah blah, this is a, I'll pull that out, and they just look at me like, What? Yep. So then I open up my dice bag and I throw out the old ones, the old crusty, nasty ones. <laughs> I put those out. So yeah, these are my first ones. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, I just, I just, I just play them." Yeah. He's like, "If that's yeah. how you want to be, I'm going to make you feel like an ass." I'm like, "That's fucking brilliant." Yeah. Dude. <laughs>
2: and, the, and the thing is, it, I I understand it's not done to be awful, but just yeah don't just don't
1: don't do it. Yeah. I think it's, I think the important piece is quite frankly, if someone needs help, they'll ask. And sometimes if they look like they're struggling, you know, the, that's part of the game master job is say, Hey, do you yep. need, do you, do you need something, whatever? Or if they're like the other piece sometimes is, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this page, I've, I've looked at women gamers and I've said, are you having trouble trying to figure out what to do? Am I not being clear? And they're like I'm just thinking, okay, I'm gonna back off and move. Um, so, but I try to ask that same question of everybody yeah. who looks like they're distraught. Yeah. And I think by asking the same question of the men as you do, the women, or anybody, the people of colors, you do the straight white guys or whatever, you say, look, you look, con- are you confused because you look confused? No, Sean, you look confused too. Are you good? No, I'm. St- You're not very. Cl- All right, fine. Let let me reset the whole stage because I'm obviously confusing everybody. Sure. And I. Th- I think that that way of trying to be helpful is nicer than sing singling somebody out and yeah. saying, you seem like you don't know how to play. Allow me to assist.
2: Right. Allow me to shove all of my dice up your nose one by one. <laughs> That's a, good a way to really get that to <laughs> Yeah. Rod was convinced he was going to have to be explaining it to the police. Um, uh, however, on the other hand, uh, as a person playing D anD D who is interested in making the hobby a better place for women, you do need to jump in sometimes on other guys, and your mm-hmm. the most powerful weapon in your entire in your entire arsenal is giving them a look, kind of raising an eyebrow, and going, "Dude, that is not cool." Like, "Dude, that is not cool." Contains like kryptonite for uh, for jerks. So if you see a guy like explaining to this woman who is getting ready to shove her dice up this guy's nose uh, how to play her character, uh, turn around and like tug his sleeve or, or look at him and say, dude, that's not cool. She's got this. Or if you see a dude's like, oh, what's your character wearing? Is she wearing underwear? Do they have lace? What color are they? Jump in with a dude, that's not cool.
1: Yeah, that's, it, you're not the first woman who has mentioned, female gamers told me that that shit actually happens. So this it does. is not, it does. yeah, Paige is not making this up, people, this, this shit actually happens. The
2: thing yeah. is, none of us are making it up. It happens a lot, and guys either get it, and the ones who say that they don't believe us, like, I could put body cams on every woman and non-binary uh, player out there and have a suite of ten YouTube channels, video streaming the bullshit 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And they still wouldn't believe me. So I, I'm not interested in trying to explain it to the people who said, I don't believe you. I, nothing. Mm-hmm. I got, I, I'm not talking to them. Like, I will no, never
1: reach them. But you, you are absolutely dead right, though. I mean, there is, there is a point. I can't. It's the, you know for evil to to thrive, good people do nothing. And you see something fucking stupid happening, stomp that shit. And
2: you don't have to be, like, confrontational about it.
1: No, you don't. You don't have to do that.
2: Like, you don't have to throw a punch. I'm not asking you to go to jail. All I'm asking you to say is, dude, that's not cool.
1: Yeah, it's that cue. And if, yeah, and if, yeah, totally makes sense.
2: Yep. And, like, the minute anybody asks... Uh, what the the woman's character is wearing the minute anybody brings up periods or pregnancy uh, the minute anybody brings up uh, sexual violence like don't wait and see where it goes don't wait and see where it goes stop right there for those cues and say dude that's not cool.
1: Yeah because that shit's not like and if the DM, th- maybe maybe, maybe it. it's yeah exactly. Well, maybe there's a reason for it. No, there is no reason. No, there's not. Absolutely Stop not. it. Just knock that shit no, off. Nobody,
2: nobody wants, no woman wants that at the game table. Like, we just don't. We just don't. That's not why we're here. We don't talk about whether or not your character, male characters, wake up with an erection in the morning. We're not talking about my character's cycles or pregnancy or any of that. We're just not doing it. We're just not doing it.
1: Makes sense. So, we,
2: dude, that's not cool. Kryptonite.
1: I think Great that thing. that works for everything. You hear people, you'll hear people at game tables yeah. using certain slurs and other language, saying, "Well, it's that time of, it's the time in history," and blah blah blah. No, Even if there's nobody at the table of that group, you d- d- knock that shit down. Yep, you don't and, and don't it, let it happen.
2: And it kind of goes back to since we're we're calling back to the beginning of the show. It co- it kind of goes back to that code of conduct where you ended up walking somebody out of the con. Mm-hmm. Like once you launch one dude that's not cool, you've explained what social mores are good at this table and what aren't, and you have made it very clear what uh, what, be- what behavior is tolerable, and you've sent a message. And, Agreed. Uh, and people on both sides of that will receive it, and it's good.
1: No, that's awesome. Sean, have you got anything, man?
0: No. Heavy stuff. This is good. This is good shit, man. I like this. No, I just, I think it's, some of this is so, Paige, this is, it's so baffling to me at times because some of this sounds so crazily obnoxious. Mm. And, and, and it's not to say that doesn't happen. That don't give me, uh, don't take it that way. But to me, it's just so crazy how unaware some people are.
2: It, it is, and uh, I don't want to give our listeners the impression that this is something that happens every day, and it's not something that happens every con. and it's not something that happens frequently. Uh, in fact, right now is the best time for women that has ever been for D&D. Like, the best. I have several lady friends who are in their uh, 50s and early 60s who have been playing D&D since Dirt was new, and... Um, you know we've compared notes because we do, and uh, this is a fabulous time for women in D anD D. So, part of what is making it fabulous is that people are having conversations like the one we've had here.
1: It's cool. No, yeah. it's it's good. It, it's something and I'll, I'll be honest. Sometimes you, you, me, when I hear certain things, I think back and go, I used to do that. You know, I, I was I was that guy. We also, fuck me. We also know.
2: used to wet our diapers, and
1: we've yeah, grown out he, of that too. <laughs> well, we don't need to talk about Sean. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, used to? Used we to. Talk, hey. No, page. seriously no, though. Thank you for for saying that, Paige, because it's not. I'm not looking for a pat on the head with getting better, but it no. Is, but it's
2: important to say. An,
1: you've got to acknowledge that. You know, yeah, I used to. I used to do and say some horrible, shitty things. And uh, just because that's how it's always been at my D&D table doesn't mean that's how it's always got to be going forward. And I don't have to put up with that crap.
2: Yep. Yeah. And as the hobby gets more diverse, we start seeing cooler games. We start seeing interesting stuff. Like there's a a great game that uh, just kickstarted called um, Nahual, which is a game of Mexican-American fantasy role-playing. And uh, I, I have to look it up to get the... Uh, full details on it but basically like there's all these uh mexican ghost heroes and there's like monsters and coattles and then you have the crusader ghost very cool it's like harry dresden but set in mexico city with kind of a different mythology behind it looks awesome looks great there's a another one coming from um what's the name of it There's another one coming from a predominantly African American studio. So that's a Weird West.
1: Um, oh, I heard. I think I heard about that one. I can't remember the name of it. Their... Uh, oh, somebody mentioned. It. I can't remember it.
2: Haunted West. But, Haunted West is what it's but, called. To called. But there's so by,
1: much cool stuff because we have yeah. all these. Sorry. Tell, tell who it's by. I didn't mean it's yeah,
2: it's called Haunted West by Darker Hue H- Studios in Alexandria. That oh, Darker Hue. Those guys
1: did. Yeah. Um, those guys did. Uh, the. The Harlem did they do the the darker Hue do the Harlem Cthulhu game
2: I don't recall I call the Harlem Harlem Cthulhu game but I don't You're remember of Harlem,
0: it. Unbound, uh, Harlem Unbound yeah I can't and, no
2: and I they it just like, signed oh, Kenneth Height. Ooh, yeah so Very I nice. like his cooking too so because of the way our hobby is expanding we're starting to see things like the Uncaged Anthology, which is, for our listeners who don't know, a uh, four-volume anthology of short, one-shot D&D adventures that flipped feminist tropes. And the first volume is out and it's gorgeous and the adventures are really cool. And we would not have seen that 20 years ago. We see this Haunted West game by Darker Hue Studios that is taking a decidedly African-American viewpoint On uh, the Weird West. It's going to be amazing. Uh, And you see all these cool games that you wouldn't have seen 20 years ago because our hobby is awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, you open it up, just if you look at it saying, hey, I have been inadvertently or advertently alienating 50%. I'm trying not to do that now. Mm -hmm. And even if I only get 25% of that 50%, fuck me. That's a lot of creativity that just got jumped into the pool. And yeah. it just is going to be so much deeper and richer because of it. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I'll tell you what, Sean, we've been going for a while, man. We should probably let Paige go.
0: We should. Paige. Never where let can, me go.
2: Where, <laughs> never let Paige
0: go. Paige, where can anybody on the interwebs or our listeners find you and find out more about you and what you've got going on?
2: Sure. Um, it, You can grab me on Twitter. Uh, which is Bethesda. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, You can grab me on Twitter at P A I G E L E I T M A N uh, as at page Lightman. Or if you look on the big D and D Facebook group, uh, that's D the letter N D fifth D and D five TH. Uh, I'm a moderator there. I'm hard to miss. I'm pretty noisy. Um, but those are the two best places to find me. And If you want to talk about a women's game day, or you're interested in the, uh, Uncaged Anthology, or other some of these other games that I've um, mentioned, just hit me up.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. We know you're in. Inter- we're interrupting your Game of Thrones. You're like a day, be- two, like a day, almost a day and a half behind.
2: Uh, you know, so normally my Monday night game. Uh, watches it together uh, okay. but i watched it yesterday in in preparation for the show so it's okay. uh, I, have- I saw
1: the i saw the end of the last episode i have not watched any of it because i just haven't had the time i walked that was my wife was watching the final bit and i kind of want to drop a spoiler right now but i'm not gonna be nope, dick. Nope, i'm not nope, doing, it. I'm, nope, not doing nope. it I'm not doing it i'm not doing it uh
2: yes i have opinions if you'd like to discuss them with me you know where to find <laughs> them <laughs>
1: Paige, thank you. Your passion is awesome and oh, thank you for sticking it out all these years and I'm glad it's getting better. You know so what? You. I,
2: I, D&D has been my number one hobby for years. I have met most of my friends and my husband playing D&D. I wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Paige. All right. Thank you.
2: Bye, guys.
0: This, this has, has been a Litter Litterbox Studio, Studio Production. Production.